name is Michael Tuck, and I'm the associate pastor here at Bacon's Castle Baptist Church. We are a local church in Surrey, Virginia, dedicated to making disciples of Jesus Christ. This is the weekly podcast that we put out for our local church family and the church as a whole. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. Let me tell you what to expect, okay? I'm not a preacher or even a Bible teacher, but over the years, God has given me opportunity to share from my personal devotional life, you know, things that that God has impacted, you know, my heart with, and I've had opportunity to share those with others, and a lot of you have heard some of those stories over the years. A lot of you get them every week, (laughs) and then they start here first. And usually, uh, this is the way I look at an effective devotional moment, is when it prompts a prayer in me that says, God, help me be like that. Or God, I'm grateful you're like that. You know, to me, that's, uh, that's a devotional time. And that's what I hope will happen here this morning. You know, as I share from my devotional life, little sketches, little scenes of what God has brought to the surface uh, in my heart this morning and, and this week, that, that there'll be some prayer that springs from your heart towards God in some area of devotional, some devotional area in your life, okay? You know, Mark uh, found out what a last-minute person I am this morning, but he helped me get some little pictures together. You know, and I want to show you, uh, you know, a picture as I start each little devotional thought, and I've got six of them. I think Tom's going to allow that. I'm pretty quick. But let's take a, uh, take a look at the first one, okay? We were at the Outer Banks this week, and uh, we came in and saw the boats there. Is it up there? Yeah, you can see it. And, uh, you know, they, they caught these fish. And you know how they have their cooler there at the back of the boat, and people come watch them? And they started, you know, these fish. Now, this wasn't a blue uh, uh, Gulf Stream trip. This is a near shore fish. But they caught these ribbon fish, and they started laying them out there. And I, and I took the picture about there, but he wasn't done yet. And he had a boatload of fish. You know, I was talking with the guy that had caught him, and he said, I don't know, man. We just kept pulling them in. I think it's more than 60 of them. And I thought, boy, that's a lot. That's a boatload. And, you know, in the way I think devotionally, I remembered a, a passage in Scripture, a boatload of fish. You remember it? It's in Luke chapter 5, and, and Jesus was meeting people, some of them for the first time, face-to-face. And, and on a particular day, there was a crowd listening to him speak. And boy, they were pressing in. And he had an idea. I'm going to borrow a boat from one of these professional fishermen, maybe like that. I'm going to get offshore just a little bit, just a little ways. And it'll give the, the people who are listening a better chance to see me and hear me, perhaps. So that's what he did. So he asked Peter about that. Let me use your boat and all that. And you remember how the story went? After the, the lesson was over, Jesus turned to a professional fisherman. He said, okay, let's go fishing. And Peter resisted right off the bat. He said, uh, I'm the fisherman. We fished. We didn't catch anything. Plus, it's daytime now. And it's, uh, you know, fishing's a waste of time. But if you want to go, that's what we'll do. You remember how the story went on? You know, cast your net and a boatload of fish. Another boatload of fish. Two boatloads of fish. And, uh, and then here's the devotional thought that came to me. Boy, that was a big payday. That was a big payday for Peter, James, and John, and Andrew. That was a big payday for them. But what came right on the heels of that? The invitation to follow Christ. You know, Peter, this guy's had to make a choice. 
No, are we going to follow? Is that what's in our heart? Or, you know, not everybody that Jesus called said yes and took it up and, and left him. And that would have been a good time for Peter to say, well, you know, I appreciate that. But, you know, we got all these fish. We're grateful to you for that. And, and we'll maybe catch up with you another time. But that's not what Peter said. He put that all behind. The big payday meant nothing to him. And he, James, and John, the Bible says, followed Jesus. They left, and they began to follow him at that point. Well, Jesus taught this later on, and you can read about it in Matthew chapter 6. He said, look, you, you need to know something for sure. You know, here's two things that don't get along. Worshiping God and worshiping money, they don't get along. They're not, they don't go together. You can't have both of those as the major influences in your life. And I wonder... If Peter thought to himself, you know, first person, boy, I passed the test. I left behind a big payday to follow Christ. I'm sure he thought about that from time to time. What about those fish? What about the boat? I could have paid bills. I could have done this, that, and all. But here's the devotional thought that, that hit my heart. God, I don't want money or stuff or possessions to affect my relationship with you. God, I want to pass that test just like Peter did. Peter passed that test. You helped him. God, help me to pass that test. I don't want anything material, anything that's related to money or what it can buy to affect my attitude towards you. God, would you help me pass that test? And that test goes on. And I'm grateful that the Bible shows us in the life of those three guys that you can pass that test. You can make Jesus first in your life. You can follow him faithfully regardless of the financial situation that you might be in. And I'm grateful to that. You know, I had a chance not long ago to uh, uh, visit a, a house in Mississippi. And this is where my next devotional thought comes from. The, uh, yeah, there it is. Wow, that's something, isn't it? <laughs> you know, that uh, was constructed in the mid-1800s. And that's what it looks like today, just like that. You know, and uh, I was visiting my sister who lives nearby down there, and we went to see this. And you drive up, and it's very impressive. I mean, it's quite the impressive thing. And, you know, lots of things stand out. You know, that, boy, that's not typical architecture for uh, along the Mississippi River in the mid-1800s. That's different. That's unique. And, um, you know, so that hit me first and how well cared for it was. You know, from the outside, it looked really nice. Well, we got there, and, and uh, my sister didn't give me any real explanation, but, you know, they had, it was owned by the, like the, here it's the APVA, so whatever it is in Mississippi owns the house and takes care of it. And we got there, and, and the lady started telling us about the house. And she said, only the first floor is complete. <laughs> only the first floor is complete. And you can't even see the first floor there. It was like a ground level that's almost like a basement for us. That's the only part that was completed. You know, the rest of it you can look at, but it was never finished. And she said that when the house was turned over to the historical society, it was with this stipulation. It can't be finished. It's got to stay just like this. Because you can see all the inner things, the carpentry, the architecture, the design, the construction. You can see all those things. 
because it's uh, just framed in, you know, just, what do you call it? Uh, uh, it's, it's roughed in there. And so they took the house with those stipulations. It can look good on the outside. We can maintain the ground floor, but above that, no changes. It's got to stay just like that. So, any devotional thoughts pop in your mind? <laughs> well, here's the one that popped in my mind. God, I don't want that to be a picture of me. Oh, the ground floor is great, and I'm grateful for the foundation, the knowledge of Christ that, that entered my heart and transformed my life and gave me assurance that I'm headed to heaven. The foundation, the cornerstone, that's Jesus and nothing else. Nothing will ever replace that. And all that surrounds that coming to faith and the knowing that I'm saved, those first floor things, they're, they're so meaningful to me. And that house wouldn't be there if it wasn't for that foundation in that first floor. But that is not where the construction ends. It goes on from there. It's a lifelong thing. God has made this commitment to me finish the house. Let's get on with it. God's made that commitment to me. So what's my commitment to God? I'm with you. Let's go. What are we going to work on today? You know, we don't have a God who's limited by time or resources or, or concern or love for us. God wants to work in my heart and life. He wants to build there. And not just the outside, but from the inside, God has committed himself to work in my heart and life. And I want to cooperate. You know, I want God to be free to do what he can do to make me the person that he wants me to be, to build in my life just what he wants to build. So I won't be a house that's got a foundation, looks good maybe on the outside, but it's really so much potential, so much opportunity that was never completed on the inside. God, help me to cooperate with you as you continue to work in my heart to make me that person that you want me to be. Right. The next, next thing, uh, devotional thought, and you know, I know this is uh, different from your normal flow, but uh, <laughs> you know, uh, that guy right there, that's a pretty dog, isn't it? If you know about dogs, that's a bird dog. You know, I had a granddad that was involved in training bird dogs. So I've got a little bit of something in my heart for bird dogs, and I recognize this, they're not inexpensive dogs. And to train them is another bit of an expense. People spend thousands to get their dogs trained, hunting dogs trained. Did you know that? <laughs> I could tell you how many thousands one person that I know spent. It was like, oh, I don't even want to hear it. That's right. They spent thousands. Well, I went to a farm to do a chore one day when I was farming full time. And, and there he was. Bird dog looked just like that, except for some minor details. It looked like it was uh, about to starve. I mean, desperately thin skin and bones. I mean, beyond what you think could be alive. And the part that was alive was covered with ticks. It was, I mean, it was awful. And uh, it wasn't a question of my response to the dog. Man, I was going to help this dog. That dog is crying out for help. 
And so, uh, you know, I hate ticks. <laughs> but I loaded up that dog and brought her home, cleaned her up, took care of the ticks, and started to feed that dog. And you know what I named that dog? Lucky. <laughs> that dog was lucky. <laughs> That's what I thought. That dog is lucky that, I, that our paths crossed. Just think, man, she might not have lasted another day or two. So I named her Lucky <laughs> because that's my attitude towards the dog. She met me. She was lucky. Well, guess what? I fed Lucky for a couple of days, and uh, she was there, you know, around the back door a little bit. And I got up to go out one day. I thought Lucky was going to be a lifelong companion of that part. You know, a bird dog. <laughs> and guess what? Lucky was gone. Gone. And I never saw Lucky again, ever. You know what I thought? Boy, if that is ever a picture of ingratitude, <laughs> that's it right there. I mean, that dog, what is, I mean, I thought that she had left because she just liked living in the wild. You know, and that may be, I don't know. Never saw Lucky again. And I thought that for years. When I thought of Lucky, I thought of ingratitude. That's what I thought. I mean, it just was the corresponding thought that hit my heart. But, you know, one day I realized that might not be how the story ended. You know, bird dogs don't just roam around. They're just, it's just not like that. I bet you Lucky was headed home. That's what I think. I think Lucky was headed home. That she had such a heart to be linked up with her master that no matter what it was like along the way, she was headed home. You know, that's a happy thought. I like that ending. You know, and there's so many devotional thoughts right there. You can, you can uh, come up with those. But I thought, but what about on the other end? The master. What's it going to be like when Lucky makes it home? That's, oh, that's a great thing. He's probably on the edge of his seat. He's probably looking out there. He's probably around the neighborhood, the community, looking for luck. It's going to be a happy day for both of them when Lucky makes it home. Remember a Bible story? The old man running, the prodigal son, he left and he wasted away all that he had. But that didn't matter because the heart of the father is, I don't care if he, how skinny he is, how covered with tape, when he comes home, that's my son. And I'm grateful to God that he has a heart like that for us. But you know what? What if Lucky did have a heart to make it back to the master? I mean, she had some falling on some tough times. But in her heart was, look, I'm leaving this behind and I'm headed home. Now I want my heart to be like that always desiring to stay connected to the master. Even if I drift away, even if I fail, even if I come up short, that something springs up in my heart that says, I'm a son and I'm headed back to the Father. That's where I need to be. God, help me to have a heart like that. Lord, I'm grateful that you have a heart like you have. You know, uh, my devotional life is affected by the testimonies of others, and I remember things for a long time. And, and later, it rises to the top, and, uh, and uh, 
you know, something attaches to it. Well, I remember hearing this testimony years ago. And I can't remember the setting. I believe it was some convention that I went to back uh, related to a job that I had. I think that's where it was, but um, I'm not sure. But I remember what the lady had to say. She was a nurse. And she believed that her job, her profession, was a calling because she had such opportunity to have contact with people. Not all of us, not all of us have that type of opportunity, you know. But she did, and she recognized this is a good opportunity to represent God where I work. You know, people all around her all the time, not the same people, but changing faces. And she recognized the opportunity that she had to be faithful to God, to glorify God there where she worked. But here's what she said. She said that she was reading her Bible, John chapter 15, and she came to this passage. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. And you'll glorify God when you bear fruit. And it stopped her in her tracks. Because she recognized that that calling that was so real to her once, how she wanted to represent God in her workplace, how real it was, it wasn't real to her anymore. She had drifted far from that. She wasn't interested in being kind and patient and helpful and cheerful and, and generous. Things that wasn't a part of her going to work checklist. Here's what I'm going to be today. I'm going to be all these things that show evidence, fruit in my life, that I care about God. She said she had drifted far from that. But on that particular day, as she read that passage of Scripture, God put an urgent desire in her heart. God, I want to bear fruit for you. I want to bear fruit for you. You know, I went back and listened to Jimmy's sermon from from some time back. Remember, he preached through the book of John. He got to this passage, and he uh, was going along, and he said, if you're tracking with me, there's a couple of questions that, that are screaming out that you've got, and here's one of them. What is this fruit anyway? If we glorify God by bearing fruit, what it is? What is it? Well, you remember what the nurse said? I want to be kind, patient, generous, all those types of things. Jimmy said the fruit that God desires to see in our life is, guess what? Kindness, patience. You can read about it in Galatians chapter 5. God is glorified when I'm that type of person. When that type of fruit is a part of who I am, it brings glory to God. God, I want to bear fruit for you. I want to be that type of person. I want to see beyond my act of kindness the God that's been forever kind to me and desires to bring kindness into their life. The Bible says this is kindness. It's the kindness of God that brings us to repentance, changes me. You know, God, help me to represent you well. You know, last week, uh, right here, uh, as Jimmy was preaching from the last chapter of Joshua, he got to that point where there was that, uh, uh, you know, that challenge. Let's call it that from Joshua. Here's where I'm at. Here's where I'm headed. What about you? You're gonna, what choice are you going to make? 
You know, and then he alluded back to one of the major prophets, I believe it was Elijah, uh, said, you've got to decide, who is God to you? Who is it? And Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, the God of Israel. But you know, during that message, he said something else that hit my heart. And he said this. He said that we have such a need today for Christian people who've made choices and continue to make choices. And the evidence of their life is there is no doubt that I'm a Christian. You know, I had a picture there of a guy waving goodbye. You got that one? You know, you know, so many times in the Bible, that picture is there for us. You know, to leave that old life behind, to say goodbye to the old me, my old ways, my old attitudes, my old reactions, responses, my old vocabulary, my own work habits, my old, and you name it, they go on and on. To leave that behind, to be different. And Jimmy says it's not perfection, but it's a progression. You know, as we go through this life, it's not that we become perfect, but that we progress in such a way that there is no doubt which way we're headed, where our allegiance is. You know, and his remark is we have such a need for those types, so that type of person today. I need those types of people in, in my life to be example types for me. You know, but I want to be that type of person as well. A person that leaves no doubt about where my allegiance are. I was talking with Catherine yesterday, and, and she pointed me to this passage of Scripture from Colossians chapter 3. She said that it was meaningful to her this year. And I just want to read a little bit of that to you, because it talks about, uh, you know, the saying goodbye to the old. And... Uh, and purposing to progress towards that high calling in Christ to represent well. So Colossians chapter 3, here, here's what it says. It says, So, chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Dress with compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive any offense. Forgive as quickly as completely as God has forgiven you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic, all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Oh, God, help me be like that. God, help me to represent you well while I'm here. Help me to be a no-doubt kind of Christian in the eyes of others. Because God is glorified as he sees that. You remember what Jesus said about a light? <laughs> he said, you are a light. Let your light shine in such a way that God is glorified. God, help me to do that. Help me to be like that. And God, help me to encourage others along the way that I see like that. To give them a pat on the back. Good job. God, help me with that. You know, the last one that I picked uh, uh, was a stop sign. And there it is. You know, and I'm not talking about 
traffic stuff here. But I heard a preacher talking about a stop sign not long ago, and it hit my heart. It became a prayer motivator for me, and I wanted to share it with you, okay? You know, when, which, you know what is your attitude towards a stop sign when you see one at the road? <laughs> you know? Have you ever heard of this happening? Somebody was injured or killed because somebody else didn't regard a stop sign? You know, I have a, a close friend at North Anna that was almost killed because a tractor-trailer truck did not stop at a stop sign going 50 miles an hour. And he showed me a picture of his truck, and it was one of those, how in the world? Only God could get you through that alive. Well, the tractor-trailer hit him on the passenger side, and they said that's that's... That was the only thing that stood between him and certain death. Flipped the thing over multiple times. You know, and he was injured badly, but uh, he survived and recovered. He's back to work and all those good things. And that's quite a story. Well, not long after that, I was talking to another friend of mine that's at the North Anna Power Station, and he told me the rest of the story. You know, he and... uh, his friend, the truck driver, wasn't going to go hunting that morning. And at the last minute, he couldn't go. If he'd have been along, he would have been in the passenger side. All because a stop sign wasn't noticed or respected or, or whatever. Well, I heard this corresponding story. I heard of a, a town where some, some vandals went through the town and they took down the stop signs. You can, you can take it from there, right? They took down the stop signs. So anybody that wasn't familiar with the area didn't know they were supposed to stop. And the result of that was serious injury and death. As a matter of fact, three young people were killed because the other driver had no idea that he was supposed to stop. So here's, uh, here's my devotional thoughts, what hit me from that, is God help me to respect the stop signs that are included throughout the Word of God. You know, God is not there to somehow put a boundary over a good life or your pleasure or happiness or mine. You know, God has put stop signs out. Don't go here. Don't do that for my own good, for my own protection. Nobody cares about my future more than God does. And he knows where I need to stop what needs to be the boundaries around my life. And they're there for my good and my protection. Plus, when I go through those stop signs that God's put in my life, it's not just the possibility that I'll get hurt. There's a very real possibility that I'll hurt somebody else as well. And God, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go through life just do-it-my-way type of person. God, I want to come under the authority of your word. God, I want to live within the boundaries of, of what's go from your perspective. So God, help me to have a right 
respect for the authority that you rightly are in my life. God, I don't want to disregard stop signs. Help me. You know, one other note on this front, and, um, you know, we have a culture that's taken down stop signs all around. And Jimmy talked specifically last week about young people who have such a commitment to God that there is a no doubt which way they're headed. You know, it's not just for young people, but it's especially for young people. Be on the alert. You know, our culture has taken down stop signs everywhere that God never intended to be removed. You know, it's not new boundaries, new culture, new life. God says, be transformed, not conformed. We shouldn't be conformed by what's going on, how God wants, how the world wants to do things. But we should stop in our tracks when we recognize the world all around me, even people that I associate with, they're going straight through this intersection with no regard. God says, there's a stop sign down that somebody took down. You need to stop. You know, I want to respect that. I want to be able to resist the flow of culture and to stand for God. God help me with that. Well, this is what goes on in me. This is a just devotional life straight from my heart. And I hope there's something in there that's provoked a God help me. Oh God, I'm grateful for you. Prayer in your heart and life. Let's pray together. God, I'm grateful that you've made a commitment to each one of us to, to grow us up, to look like Christ. And God, I'm grateful too that you're merciful and kind and patient with each one of us because it's not something that's going to ever be fulfilled or completed. But God, help our heart to be leaning towards you and that everyday profession and confession and progression of our life will be towards you. Lord, we want to thank you once again for that foundation that only you could provide in our life. The fact that Jesus came just at the right time to do what we could never do for ourselves. God, I'm grateful for that. God, help us to continue to grow in faith. Help us to be useful in your kingdom. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening this week. If you have any questions, you can email them to Pastor Jimmy at baconscastle.com. Also, check out our website at baconscastle.com to get to know us and see what God is doing locally here in Surrey. Be blessed. Thank you.